You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Are you a single parent or are you in a relationship but thinking about becoming a single parent? If you are either of the above, then you need to read The Single Mother's Social Club. It's TV presenter and author Jacinta Tynan's latest book. It's a call to arms for women who are raising their children alone or with a co-parent to be open to what such big changes can bring into your life. And it's a book, I would say, that's been written in the blood, sweat and tears of real life experience. Hi, Jacinta. How are you? You just nailed that, Chef. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Lovely to speak to you. Well, it seems like a very personal book for me because I feel like when we first met many moons ago, you were at the very beginning of this experience of single parenthood. And I'd love to know, because I've seen how far you've come, I'd love to know what would you say to that Jacinta of the past? Yes, we met, I think, really early on, as you say, when I just left home with my kids. And so I was officially a single mum. And I, the funny thing is, I felt then I wasn't worried about it. I thought, oh, this is, this is just, this is the end of a story. I saw it as, as the end of something and the beginning of a new phase. And I didn't, I thought the difficulty was over. So it, I guess uh, I would maybe warn myself about that. <laughs> but also just it's just that same reminder that, that all parents need and that is what's this all about and it's about, it's about our children's childhood and trying to see every, everything through the filter of what's best for them. I, I've done that a lot along the way, of course, but you just want to be reminded of that all the time. So when you freak out, whether it's over the logistics or the finances or the those sort of really esoteric questions about uh, I'm changing the course of their lives and my own life, of course, and those things that are what weigh, weigh you down. Um, but then if you can come back to just seeing everything through the filter of this is this is in the greatest, for the greatest good of them and yourself as well, then it kind of takes the pressure off because it's a bigger storyline and you don't know how it's going to play out yet and you really have to just be in the present and trust that it will all make sense. You write that you never expected to be a single parent. How hard was that, letting go of those ideas of what you thought your family life would be? I don't think any parent expects to be a single parent. And my first chapter in the Single Mother Social Club is actually how did I get here? I called it that because I really, for, I spoke to a lot of women uh, for this book from all different circumstances of, of how they arrived at single motherhood and nobody expects to end up there, even single mothers by choice. They will admit, I'm sure there are some, so anyone listening who is one of those women, I hear you, but I'm sure there are some who chose that path from the beginning. But most would say it was a reckoning as well after they didn't meet somebody in time or they couldn't meet the right kind of person. They thought, I'm just going to do this by myself and all power to them. But widows certainly didn't choose it and people who were separated or divorced didn't go into that relationship with the father of their children generally expecting that to end. So we've all had some kind of crash and burn situation before we've got to single motherhood. And so I was the same. You, you, you don't go into that imagining that you won't be there with your kids all the time because that's one of the hardest things 
for co-parents or people whose other parent is still around, whether that's a woman or a man. And so you have those moments where the children are with the other parent and you think, well, I've certainly thought I didn't have kids to not be with them. That's really hard to get your head around. But for me, and like many separated and divorced women, single mothers, they would relate to this, that you um, it gets to the point where you really don't have any other choice. And it takes a lot. It takes a lot to leave a relationship, especially with the father or, or, or the parent of your children, because we are a society that that wants that narrative of the of the nuclear family. We still have that as our our predominant narrative of what we're all supposed to aspire to. And it is a great model if it works, by the way. It's the model that that would be uh, that you'd most want because it kind of works coherently and logistically and financially and all of those things and emotionally for the children. But if that doesn't happen and you have to have that moment where you say, I'm not going to go down that path and I'm going to try something else, it's really tough to come to terms with that. But sometimes it's the best option for all concerned, for all of you, for the children, for yourself and for their other parent. You describe the experience of becoming a single parent this way. First destruction, then a reset and ultimately creation. How did you get through that painful and discombobulating first part of destruction? You just buckle up. (laughs) The thing is, you don't realise that you're in, sometimes you don't realise that you're in a destruction phase of life until until it's over. You know, you're sort of just going through it and you're in survival mode a bit. And I think nature designs it that way. The reason I put the book into those three sections is that I um, believe that, that, well, I actually practice Vedic meditation and my teacher always talks about this concept that in any stage of life, we're either in one of those three phases. You think about it, we every day we're in one of those phases, but certainly in our life, you can track them. So we go through destruction, stuff falls apart and it has to, so that you can then go through a bit of a reset and then you can create again. Look at nature, nature does the same, has the same pattern. And so if you're aware of that, it makes it easier it makes it make sense more. You can you can actually uh, interpret it if you, if you can interpret it that way. So when you're in destruction, I think I was aware of that actually, that this is what's happening. It all has to fall apart. It couldn't go on the way it was. It wasn't sustainable for anybody. So just go for it. Let it fall apart. Trust that it's going to hurt. Dive into the struggle. Dive into the suffering. And just know that it will pass. But actually do that work to let it pass. And one of the things I learned a lot, I've done a lot of, uh, it's a reckoning, right? But I've done a lot of work throughout this time, that personal deep internal work, which I think you really, it's an opportunity to do that. And when you do that work, you realize that you have to actually go into the suffering, feel those emotions and feel the disappointment, your own disappointment and the disappointment of how life's working out and all of those things. And if you can allow yourself to feel all of that, you've got more chance of being able to come out the other side. You've got to go through it. It's the old bear hunt, right? We're all going on a bear hunt. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You've got to go through it. How many times have I read that book? And it became my philosophy. (laughs) I just wanted to read another um, quote from your book that I love. Women who are raising children on their own don't need pity but respect. Tell me about why you wrote that. There's still a stigma 
in today's society against single mothers and it's left over from you know not so long ago women who had babies on their own well we know it wasn't they they couldn't do it through scientific means that the means weren't there back then well depending how old you are but in my generation so that meant that you had a baby on your own because you'd either left someone or they'd left you or they'd died so if you're a widow that's fine not much stigma around that but for women who left men or were left by men and it was men because in those days you couldn't have a a baby with another woman so they were called fallen women their babies were called illegitimate you came from broken homes it was all those words it was a really big stigma and I think definitely we've we've evolved from there thank goodness but that stigma and that's those stereotypes of single mums of somehow being lacking it's still just there it's not as overt but it's there and so people think they're all cool with it but you see it show up in those more insidious ways and I can tell you that every single single mother I interviewed, and I interviewed dozens, without doubt, every one of them talked about being automatically dropped from social situations, the invitations drying up, and they no longer fit in. They're excluded. They actually are excluded all the time and they feel it. And I've felt it too, that that there's still that thing around. It's a bit, as one mum I interviewed said, it's a bit yucky. Single mums are a bit yucky. They don't know what to do with it. And there's this cognitive dissonance around well, we just don't know what to do with them. So you so you sort of hear the comments and so on. So they are still pitied. Single mothers are still seen as something's missing in your life. You don't quite have what we have. You know, aren't you brave and wonderful, but you're not like us. And so I just, that was the reason I felt I had to say that, that it's, they actually should be respected because they are incredible women. All of the women I interviewed, all of the women I know, all the single mothers I know, you know for sure when you meet a single mother, that they're going to be a pretty amazing, tough, resilient warrior woman because they've been through something. To get there in the first place, you've had that reckoning and you've been through something and you are raising kids on your own or at least part of the time if you've got a co-parent. And that in itself, that just alone is, is a absolutely superhuman thing to do. It's an extraordinary thing to do. So these women should be revered for raising the next generation and doing it without another adult in the house most mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah, yeah. What what were some of the hardest times for you in the beginning? It's that uh, it's that understanding that this is the the course of your life from now on. So people, single mothers, talk about the loneliness a lot, and I certainly had those have had those times. But for me, that wasn't the hard part. I don't mind time on my own. But it was just coming to terms with that this was the trajectory that I had chosen for my children. And I really felt the weight of that for quite some time. And my children would say to me, as many single mothers report that their kids do, they say, why? We don't want this. We want to be normal. And they keep the word normal. They say they want this normal family. And you have to kind of hold it together and, and tell them that this is, there is no normal. This is our family. And isn't this great? And we talk about all the advantages of, of having, you've got two houses, you get two Christmases, and you get two lots of birthday presents, and you can try all that stuff on. But in the dead of night when everyone's asleep, and as a single parent, by the way, that starts earlier because the kids go to sleep and then it's just you. So you've got a lot of time. and in those moments is when I really struggled with, I, I knew I'd done the right thing and I knew I had no other choice, but I still struggled with, I'm the one responsible. I made that choice to take my kids down this path. 
And are they always going to have that piece that's missing? They're never going to have that nuclear family. It takes a long time to get over that, actually, even though I knew there was nothing else I could do. But I know a, single, a lot of single mothers talk about the same thing of bearing that weight of responsibility. So to me, that was the hardest part. And then, of course, there's the, the logistics and the finances and all of those things are hard too. But emotionally, that stuff is what kept me awake at night. Isn't that interesting, though, that as they, you know, that saying goes, it takes two to tango, two to tango. So yes, you made the decision that it couldn't keep going as it was, but obviously this didn't come about solely on your doing, you know, but still you take that emotional guilt on as well. Yes, but they don't know that, right? So it's that, yeah, okay. that's that thing I else. You've got to play, as a single parent, you play the long game. I always remind myself of that. It's the long game. They don't, they don't know it's for their, your children don't know it's for the best. And a few times I, I wrote this in, in the book actually, but a few times I've said to my kids both when they're asleep <laughs> into the air but also to them, trust me, just got to trust me. It's like, you you know, this makes me emotional, but you're, you're calling on your kids constantly to say, just stick with me here. Uh, I've got this. And even though sometimes you don't think you, you do have it necessarily in certain moments, um, but it is... It's just knowing that in the end it will make sense for them and you know you can only stay in the present and make the decisions that are relevant for that moment and that's all any of us can do. Talk to me about the in-between. Sounds like something out of Stranger Things. (laughs) I think it is. Is it that awful? (laughs) um, The in-between is the name of a chapter in in the book and I thought it deserved its own chapter because you feel like you're in limbo a lot. In when you're a single parent. And again, it depends. It doesn't matter how you arrive to you. You've got that, that time of like, it's almost like this is in our real life. We're just waiting for life to begin. And that could be if you separated or divorced, you might be waiting for a financial settlement or to get your own home or to get back on your feet. And that's your sort of in between this or emotionally as well, recovering from some sort of turmoil of, of the of the split or whatever it was. Or if you're a widow, that, that goes without saying, single mothers by choice, suddenly they're they're a, they're a, they've got a child in the house on their own. And there's this period of transition, and that's unavoidable. And you've got to go through that. But I actually think that that time is a gift. We wait for life to begin, but actually let's really enjoy that in-between time as well because that's that opportunity to do the kind of check-in and to, I guess, regroup a bit and and do that work I was talking about before. So when you're in the in-between, don't be waiting for the next bit to start. Just go, well, what can I do in this time? And that's the time to meditate, do yoga, be introspective. I talk about doing vision boards, which I did with my kids, you know, to, and, you know, as you're gathering, the book has a bit of a spiritual bent because I love all that stuff and it works for me more so since I've had so, uh, so much upheaval. So we, we made vision boards where we mapped out and put pictures on the walls of, of on cardboard of what we wanted to attract into our lives. And you can play lots of board games with your kids and do lots of that, just getting back in touch with each other and, and then you'll find before you know it that life starts to take off again in whatever direction. So don't waste away that, that, that time. It's a really precious time to reset. Talk to me about bravery because I remember a time when you decided it would be a good idea to go to Disneyland <laughs> on your own, hire a car, drive through the desert on your own, 
again, do I need to say it, on your own in America. It was a big deal. It was a really big deal. Just how often have you had to really dig deep to find that courage and and how did you do it? Well, I guess because you're talking about holidays, it's I actually wrote a whole chapter on holidays and adventures and I did that because it's travelling as a single parent and also let, for people who aren't going on travel away, it's also just the day-to-day adventures. It can be overwhelming. And so some people just say, oh, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't do it unless I had another adult there. And I just think, no way, I'm not letting that stop me. Now, I used to travel alone when I, before I even, before I had a partner and I would travel by myself. We all did, right? So why is it any different? And so people say to me often with these crazy trips I do, I don't know how you do it. And I say, if I didn't do it, we wouldn't go. So I'm just not going to let life stop just because I'm the only adult. That doesn't make any sense. The trip to America came about because I I also do travel writing. Obviously, I'm a journalist and I got this opportunity to go to Flagstaff, Arizona, to take the children on the Polar Express. I mean, hello, as if you're going to pass up that opportunity. (laughs) And at the time, I'm trying to remember, I think I had a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. And I didn't even hesitate about that part of it. That wasn't even an issue. It was just like, we're going on this trip. And so I'm actually really proud of myself. We did a long-haul flight. What, are, what is it? To LA? I've forgotten what that is. It's so long <laughs> since we've travelled, I can't remember. But we did 14 hours to LA and then we had to wait and then transfer, fly to Phoenix and then we had to get a shuttle to, to Flagstaff. We were travelling for 30-something hours. I had these two kids by myself. Yes, it was tiring. And yes, it can, you know, it's it's logistically difficult because you can't, let me tell you, it's stuff like you can't even check in at the airport and just turn away for a second to go to the bathroom because you've got these two kids that wait, wait, we're all going to the bathroom and all the suitcases go in or we need to go, go and buy a drink. Then all the suitcases come and you check in, <laughs> you've got them both in your hands and you can't even get up in the pl- when you're in the plane and all those things you do not think about. But I just felt really proud of myself. We're standing at the Grand Canyon because the Grand Canyon is only an hour and a half from Flagstaff. It's a beautiful place. If when we get to travel again, everyone consider this beautiful place, Flagstaff. And we're standing at the Grand Canyon, one of the world's great wonders. And we're looking out in the, in this to this incredible vista. And I just felt so proud of myself. Here I am with these two little kids. I was so happy and so excited. Uh, driving on the wrong side of the road. Yes, they're the ones on the wrong side, not us. <laughs> that was full on. And I don't want that t- time to happen again. And it was only that we didn't have SatNav. And it was when I got back to Australia, I found out that actually I did have it all along in my phone, but I thought it was that I wasn't hooked up and it was $5,000 a minute. So that was even, that was the postscript to all this, that all along I could have had sat nav, but I didn't. So a trip from LA airport to Disneyland should take, what, an hour? It took me three and a half. And and it was actually a bit frightening because I had two little kids in the back who were getting hungry, getting tired, starting to fight. I was by myself on the other side of the world and I was a bit frightened then. And I did think in, there were moments like that where, where I did think I can't I don't I, I just can't do this again I need to have another adult but in the end in the scheme of all of that I'm so glad I did that trip and many others that I've done I've taken the kids skiing several times by myself and I just think wow what a legend look what I can do and yeah. that's what the kids will remember that that I took them to those places and we had those wonderful times so those of us who have single mum friends and we're not in the social club 
that kind of want to be in it because it sounds pretty cool. Um, how can we support our single mum friends? What can we do to help them? I actually write about this in the book because I think that the book isn't just for single mothers. It's for it's for people who are friends of single mothers and that's pretty much all of us. So there we go. The book is for everyone. Um, and I think it's because you often don't know what to do, do you? And I didn't know until I was a single mother. I, I pride myself on being a good friend to my friends, but I don't think you know what it's like until you're in it. And that's because you just can't possibly consider all of the logistics and so on. So I, I wrote this kind of list of, of some of the things you can do for your single mum friends and one would be to show up so and don't say um, let me know if you need anything just say I'm doing this for you people who did things for me like cook me a meal occasionally and that is just sounds you know that's something you might do for somebody who's sick but it's so helpful because it's just that one less thing to do that night and if you don't have to cook a meal it means you can actually talk to your kids or help them with their homework because there's not that other adult there doing that stuff and you don't have to go to the supermarket and drag them along and all those things you don't think about. And uh, there's also to invite them, invite them places. And that goes back to what I was talking about before, that you get dropped from invitation lists. So that is to invite them with their kids if there's family stuff on, but also invite them without their kids because often you left off those things as well. And uh, there's just, yeah, there's just so many things that you can do. And But really it's about inclusion and just trying to put yourself in their shoes. Well, Jacinta, congratulations on this book. I know that you've put your heart and soul into it, and I think a lot of people are going to benefit. So thanks so much for talking with us. Thanks for having me, Siobhan. That's Jacinta Tynan. She's a TV presenter and author of The Single Mother's Social Club. To get your copy, check out the links in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me. Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.